All right. Uh, today we're going to be looking at several different scriptures. The bookmark that you're hand, getting handed to. Uh, there's a story behind that, so I wanted to um, tell you that story before we get started. Several weeks ago, God put on my heart that I needed to be more diligent about uh, understanding His Word, and I said, "Well, I'll just look at other Bibles that I've highlighted because I've had several over the years. I've kept and marked them up and things like that." And yes. God's Word, it's okay to write and highlight your Bible. That's why they make Bible highlighters. Well, anyway, so I started pulling out those old Bibles and I looked at the highlights I had and I had no idea why I highlighted that section. Or when I put a little quote mark out beside it, I'd say, I don't understand. Why did I do that? What does it even mean? Because I don't understand. And it, Around uh, 9-1-1 in 2001, I was carrying a pocket Bible and I was having a really profound spiritual impact in my life at that time, and I highlighted a bunch of verses, and I have no idea why I did anymore. And so, I may have highlighted it, but it didn't help me long term. It was just, oh, this is important, but I didn't say why. And so, God put on my heart to come up with an idea, a way to do that, that would actually help me. So I began to research on the internet different ways to do that. And uh, one of the things I found, which uh, I'm going to share with you in just a moment, is Jonathan Edwards, a pastor from the 1800s, a very powerful speaker, came up with a method on how he would write in a notebook the notes that didn't fit in the margins of his Bible and how he'd do that. And, and I thought, well, if this man did that and it worked for him and he made thousands and thousands of pages of notes that way, then it was really cool because if you had a notebook, you could use it with any Bible. Not just one Bible you were highlighting. Mark, what if you lost it or gave it away or something happened to it? You lost all those notes, right? Well, he had a notebook that he could use because it referenced the verse in the Bible, and it was any verse in the and any Bible, right? So that's what he did, and and that made sense to me. So I've incorporated that into the idea, plus a bunch of other guys' ideas out there, and I made it my own, and then I kind of genericed it for everybody because I have my own personal one that has a little specific thing I needed, and then one that would work for everybody. And we're gonna, I'm going to explain that in a little bit. Now, I want to tell you something. If you really want to get to know God, and you're hungry for a move of God in your life, this will help you. Does that sound like a plan? Yep. Sounds like a good promise, doesn't it? Jeremiah 29.11. I read it at the beginning. I'm going to read it one more time. That verse says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, how are we going to know what God's thoughts are if we don't get to read them, understand them, and learn them, right? We're going to walk around defenseless if we don't know what God says is true about you and me, right? God wants you to know that He loves you. The enemy, Satan, the world wants you to think God doesn't or that God doesn't care. And so, you need something inside of you that's going to tell you the truth when the world's telling you lies. And if your Word isn't available to you and you don't know where to find those verses, you're going to be like, oh, there's a verse in here that will help me. But if you already know where it's at, you can go right to it, right? So you got your what I call your battle plan. The Word of God is the sword. And if it isn't sharpened <laughs> by use, then it's not going to help you much. So, this... As we go today, I want to share with you a couple of things. And I'm going to give you some verses along the way. 
And I want to tell you something. Part of each person knows God is real. There's a part of all creation that acknowledges God. That God exists. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that even the demons believe God exists. They don't want anything to do with God, but they know God exists. Satan knows God's real, but he doesn't want anything to do with Him. In Proverbs it says, in, in chapter 1, verse 7, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. And unfortunately it tells about fools too. It says that fools disdain the Word of God. Or to be exact, he says this, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, today I've enlisted some help on how to have some wisdom and instruction. So don't be a fool. Listen to what each person says and be diligent about it. In Psalm chapter 1, it talks about how we delight in the law of God and His Word. And most folks who read the God's Word hopefully are hungry for it. But here's what he says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. This man, this person, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. When it says his delight is in the law of the Lord, it doesn't mean the Ten Commandments. I want to share with you what the law is. In, in, we learn through studying the Scripture that the law is actually the Word. So the Word of God is His holy law or His holiness. But the Word of God, we also know, is the Word is Jesus Christ. The Word made flesh becomes Jesus. So Jesus is also the law or, if you will, God's direction for our lives. So, if you delight in Jesus, you'll meditate on His words day and night. It'll be in your heart. And it's really important. I'm going to tell you a true story. I was with a bunch of friends in an accountability group and we were talking about reading the Bible. And we, we came up with the question, how often do you read the Bible? And a lot of guys said, well, I just don't have a lot of time for that. Usually about once a week, you know, maybe Sunday, every now and then I get a chance. And I said, well, I'm a little more than that because I preach and I teach it, but not as often as I should, as I could. And I thought, why is that? And I knew then it's because it wasn't a priority. Other things take precedence in our life over actually knowing what God's telling us. And we go out in the day without reading the Word and praying or devoting our lives to God. We go out in the, in the battlefield unarmed, unprotected. That's not good. Because the last thing you want to do is have the enemy who's roaring like a lion trying to find somebody to devour be after you. And if he is you have a Word of God that you can defeat Him with like Jesus did when He was tempted 40 days. And Satan came directly face to face. It can be tough, but if you don't have God's Word in your heart, you're going to be stuck. Or you're going to be defenseless 
Or you're going to be under attack. You're going to be going, God, why is my life falling apart? Why am I getting under attack? And it's because you didn't use the Word to stop the enemy before you get some foothold in your life. And you got to do something about that. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we find these words, and I think you'll really relate now. It says, this is Moses speaking, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God. Walk in His ways, keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for God is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which He swore to give you forever. God, if He's your life and your strength and your hope, and you don't know who He is or how He's trying to develop a relationship with you through His Son, Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. Because you don't have life without God. Life is found in Christ. If you look through the New Testament and you read the epistles of Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. He quotes the Old Testament a lot. If you look in Romans and you read through Romans, you're going to see Old Testament references from all over the Old Testament. He knew his Scriptures. That's why Paul was so strong in the faith. Because he knew and was hungry for what God was doing. Well, he wrote a letter to a young man named Timothy. And what he wrote talks about why Scripture's important. Here's what he said. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, You must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures. These people learned them from childhood. They memorized them. They studied them. That's what they talked about. And these are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Or it is the breath of God. When you read the Bible, you're reading God's breath. It's holy. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you therefore, this is what Paul's saying, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Here's His charge. It's verse 2 in chapter 4. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. In other words, always be ready to spout a Word of God to someone that they may be encouraged or corrected or strengthened. That's important for us to know how to do that, right? And if you do that, you will bless so many. And there's a reason. He says, the time will come and they won't endure sound doctrine. And that's like today. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers of false truths. And that's what's happening today. People are going after everything except for God. And if we aren't true to His Word and stay in it, we're going to be in trouble. In Jeremiah chapter 9, There's a verse, uh, two verses here that I want to share with you. Then I'm going to explain to you this bookmark, how to use it. 
with some help. The people are going to help me. It says in Jeremiah chapter 29, Let not the wise man glory in his own wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his strength or his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows Me, the Lord God, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Now, how are you going to know that about God if you don't ever hear Him tell you through His Word, right? So, the tool in your hand came to me through Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. And what it says is about the hopes that I, and, that and plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope that you'll call upon me and pray to me and I'll listen to you. And he says this, you will seek me and find me. How many of you want to find God today? How many of you want to know who God is and Him to know you? To have a relationship closer than a brother that every time you turn, you know God is there in every situation. Right? He says, he says, if you will seek me, you will find me. And that's good. And he tells you how. When you search for him with all your heart. He says, I will be found by you when you search for me with all your heart. I will bring you back from where you've been taken captive by whatever was taking you captive, and I will bring you home. God promises that. When I read that, I said, God, I need that. I want you more than anything, so I need to know how to do that. So I started coming up with a, a bookmark, uh, actually a way to annotate the Bible, and then eventually a bookmark for it. And I came up with a bunch of different ideas. I had like eight or nine pages of different ideas. I just wasn't happy about it. And one day in the morning, I was reading this verse and this passage, and, and the Spirit of God came on me, and, and, and I felt Him say, what do you really want? And I said, God, I just hunger for relationship with You. That's the most important thing. Without that, i got nothing. Without Jesus, I am nothing, I can do nothing, and I end up as nothing. And He said, so that's the most important thing. I said, yeah. And He said, well, then start there. Start there. Don't do anything without that. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, whatever you do, it flows from our relationship. No matter what you do, what you say, what you think, it comes out of our relationship. And all of a sudden, I realized that the very first thing that God wanted me to put on this tool was relationship. And that's what you have on there, is relationship. It is... Your identity in Jesus Christ. It's your family relationships, whether you're a child, a spouse, a cousin, or, or however you are, a parent. The Bible talks about that and God's direction for the relationship. God has all these things throughout Scripture. And those are the things you need to grow in. And when things are growing, they're green. Signs of spring, green, everything turning green, like the trees are all full of leaves currently. And green, that's growth. Grass when it fades is brown. When it's growing and lively, it's green. So I said to myself, God, I think relationships need to be green. Because this is a time where when we learn these things, we're growing in Jesus. We're learning that relationship. So, when you're going through your Bible, I've picked the colors of, of uh, most common highlighters. You can change the colors if you need to. But if you have a set of highlighters or Bible markers, most of these colors are going to be in those sets. 
And when you see those colors, you'll be able to know what that's talking about. And here's what I mean. If you read, I am one in God in Christ, and you read that verse, you go, I need to know that. That tells me who I am in Christ. Then either with a green pen or a green highlighter, mark it. And then, out to the side, put identity in Christ. That way, you know what that verse is telling you and why you highlighted it, why you marked it. Because when you're trying to struggle a little bit, you look for the green and find out who you are, how that relationship, which is first, and you go through all the places in your Bible where you found those verses, see the green, and you'll go, yes, that's me, that's me, and your confidence will go back up. But that's not the only place that you need the relationship to stem from. And the next one is edification. And uh, Christine's going to come and share with us on edification and leadership and how those are relevant. Hi, guys. I feel like I need to introduce myself. I usually do when I'm in front of a mic. You know, Jonathan was sharing what Paul said to Timothy. And how many of you ever read this scripture and kind of think, oh, this doesn't really always apply to me? I really don't understand why he's writing it. It just sounds like a lot of theological stuff. And sometimes we got to know about this scripture before we can really understand the weight of what we're reading. And so I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit about Timothy. Timothy was a young man at the time. Jonathan said that. Timothy was a little nervous. In fact, Paul told him to go drink some wine to calm his belly, which I don't recommend. Definitely don't recommend that. But he was. He was scared. And Timothy had good reason to be scared. He was a young pastor at the time. He had been ministered to by Paul, trained by Paul. Paul even called him his son in the faith. But Timothy lived during the time of Nero. Anyone know who Nero was? Nero makes... Well, he was a lot like Hitler. So Nero made it his mission to persecute Christians. And he didn't just persecute them. I mean, he tortured them. Nero would come and send his henchmen out to invade Christian communities, Christian homes, the churches that were meeting within people's homes, and he would steal them away, and he would put them in coliseums, and he would cover them in the skin and in the flesh of animals, and he would set the lions on them while they were alive. And they would be ripped apart simply for what they believed. And if that wasn't enough, Nero would take Christians and he would put them in his gardens at night and douse them with oil and light them on fire while they were alive just to light up his garden. This was a sick man, right? And so Timothy had every reason to be freaking out because he knew that Nero's men could show up at any time. <clears throat> and that's a brutal way to die. Would you agree with me? Yes. And so here, Paul is writing Timothy to encourage him, to edify him in the faith, to build him up. We read where he says, but God didn't give you a spirit of fear. No, that was coming from Nero. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, he says, but of power and of love and a strong mind. And how do you get those things? How do you get power when the threat is at your doorstep? How do you have love when 
when hate is is persecuting the people that you care about how do you have a sound mind when all hell is breaking loose in your life anyone relate yes this is what Paul was talking about and in the message he says it like this he says anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in a whole lot of trouble we are because they're after us the enemy is after us and so we need something that's going to pour power into our life and pour love and give us soundness and give us the self-control that Paul is encouraging Timothy to have and he says this to him and I'm going to read the same verses that Jonathan read but from the message he said but don't let it phase you don't let all that stuff phase you don't let hell breaking loose in your life phase you because you have something more you have something greater stick with what you learned and what you believed and he goes on to say there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus and that's not just eternal salvation that's salvation from today that's salvation from addiction that's salvation from financial um, financial woes and insecurities that's salvation from the choices that we make and the things that we believe and the way is that our mind goes contrary to the Word of God and it's eternal salvation because how many of you know eternal life doesn't start when we die it starts when we believe Amen. it's here and now and so there's nothing like the Word of God for showing us the way to that through faith in Jesus Christ through acting on the truth of Jesus Christ every part of scripture is God breathed and useful one way or another it's showing us truth and it's exposing our rebellion it's correcting our mistakes and training us to live God's way and through the word we are put back together anyone need that in their life I sure do I need the word of God to put me back together I need the truth of God to show me how to act I need the I need the truth of God to change the way I think and to renew my mind and to remind me that mercy is new every single day because I don't know about you, but I need it new every single day. And so here we have the possibility of being edified, of being encouraged in the faith. Jonathan made it blue because the sky is blue and the ocean is blue and it's vast and it's expansive and so is the love of God for us. So is the truth of God in us and the power of God for us and through us. And so we can go through our scriptures and we can highlight verses that are prayerful, that are worshiping or worshipful, verses that mean something to us, like God is near to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. That's one I needed. Or that morning only lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning right I needed that when my mom died I needed that hope to stand on today I was reading Psalm 32 I've been praying through the Psalms for the rest of the year and I kind of chuckled because when I picked up my phone it was breaking news about Hurricane Dorian Hurricane Dorian if you don't know is now category 5 175 miles an hour sustained winds about to hit the Bahamas which is beautiful and full of hotels but also extreme poverty and it's going to decimate it 
without an act of God. And it's headed toward Florida, and the entire state is at risk. We've never seen that before. And up the coast of the Carolinas and, and into Georgia. And I'm reading this breaking news, and I open my Bible to Psalm 32. And David is crying out to God, and he says, But you are bigger than the storms. You are bigger than the floodwaters. And in the message it says, and you are the island that I hide in. And I was like, that is so cool. That is so cool. Like, God, you knew that this was the scripture I would be reading for today. You knew that the storm was coming. You knew that my family is in the path of it. And you're reminding me. You're encouraging me. You're edifying my spirit that you've got this. That you're bigger than any storm that Florida faces, that the Bahamas face, that I will ever face. Amen. And I don't know about you, but we need that truth, do we not? Yes. When hell's breaking loose, we need to set heaven open in our lives and call it down into our situations and say, God, as it is up there, let it be so down here and cling to that with all we've got. Because otherwise you'll be tossed to and fro. And that verse goes on to say, Through the word we are put together and shaped for the task God has for us. And so then we come to leadership, which is yellow. And that's where we highlight verses of evangelism and vision and ministry and our giftings. Because God has a task for every one of us. He has preordained good things for you to do and he is shaping and molding your life to prepare you for that path that he has laid out before you but we need to walk it wisely do we not because here's the reality everybody here is a leader everybody a leader is somebody who has influence and everybody here has influence in somebody's life Men, if you are married, you are the spiritual leaders of your family. However you walk, whatever path you take, if you lead with wisdom, then your family walks in wisdom and it walks in grace. But if you lead in paths of destruction, then your family walks that way too. Your role is never usurped in the eyes of God. You are always the leader. So the question is, how are you leading? Wives, we've been called to be the helpmates of our husbands. That does not mean that we are the weak vessels. That means that we come up underneath our husbands and support them and encourage them and cheer them on. We are the strength beneath them. That's not weakness. That's incredible. That's an incredible gift that we have. And when we work that way as a team, when they're leading in wisdom and we're strengthening with encouragement and with respect and with guidance, then that's a dynamite couple. Would you not agree? And the influence that that couple has around them will be lasting for generations. And so we need to learn to lead wisely because we're always leading. And do you know what I know about leaders? Good leaders are always great followers. Amen. They're always great followers of Jesus Christ. You know, I had a, somebody in my office one day, and she said, you know, I really love Jesus, 
And I'm like, I know you do. And I'm a follower of Jesus. And I said, no, you're not. Those are hard words to hear from your counselor. They're hard hear words to hear from anyone. They're hard words to hear from the Spirit when I look in the mirror. I said, I don't doubt your faith in God. I don't doubt your eternal security. I don't doubt any of that. I know that you want to follow God, but you are not following Him. You are following your anger. You are following your distrust. You are following your insecurities, but you are not following God. Because Jesus did not act that way. Jesus did not love that way. He did not talk that way. He did not lead that way. And so together we took on a challenge, and I've issued the challenge to a few others to go through the New Testament and to make a list of all the words that Paul gives us that show us what love looks like, what following Christ looks like, like being compassionate and merciful and tender-hearted and kind and patient and never keeping record of wrongs, of enduring and persevering, of always thinking the best about other people and not the worst. And when we follow Christ like that, when we are imitators of Christ as the Word says to be, when we have that Christ-likeness and we walk in His mind and in the Spirit, we are leaders with great impact on the world around us, even if that's our, just our family, even if that's just our workplace, even if that's just our community, even if it doesn't matter, the light of God is evident in all of those dark places, right? And so we need to know how to be good leaders, and it starts with learning how to be a good follower first. Because you need God's light within you before you can be the light to the world around you. And so I close with what Jesus reminded them on the Mount of Beatitudes, and he said, And so let your light shine before men, that they see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. <laughs> Does this fit in here, Jonathan? Oh, okay. Hello. Good morning. How is everyone? I want y'all to stand up. And everybody knows the hokey pokey, right? Well, put your whole self in and shake it all about. Go ahead. Shake, 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 shake. That's action. You can have a seat now. You did something, and you were all in when you did it, right? It took every part of you. I hope you shook every part of you. And it felt good to stand up, I'm sure. But my name is Debbie Williams, and Milburn Methodist is my home church. It's where I was uh, introduced to Jesus Christ and where I was loved into a relationship with Him. And I get the words action and truth, and I wanted to turn them around, but that would have messed up Jonathan's whole world, so I couldn't do that. But I want to tell you that something's been on my heart this last couple weeks is the highest praise that you can give God is the word hallelujah. Did you know that? Highest praise. So we're going to shout hallelujah so loud that the campground is going to hear us, okay? On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah! One more time, we might get them. One, two, three. Hallelujah! I love that word. There was a man that bought a donkey from a preacher. 
And you'd think this donkey would be the best if it was a preacher's donkey. And he went there and the preacher says, he's a good donkey. He plows, he rides, he'll do whatever you want him to do. He got a good price for it and off he went. And the preacher says, wait, there's one more thing you have to know. The donkey will stop to the word hallelujah and he'll go to the word amen. Nothing else will work. So the man gets on him, kicks him, he says, giddy up. Donkey didn't go anywhere. He says, oh, oh, oh yeah, hallelujah. And the donkey takes off. And they went for a wonderful ride. They're going through the country and up on the mountains and the cliffs. And this donkey just seems to be knowing his way on the trails. And the uh, man notices they're coming to a big bluff, a drop-off. And he thinks, oh, i got to turn this donkey around. He starts saying, whoa, whoa, pulling on the reins. And the donkey just keeps going. He's like, oh, yeah, um, 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 God, Holy Spirit. Uh, Bible, communion, uh, church, oh me. And then he says, oh, I got I to gotta do something. I got to do something. He says, um, um, amen. Well, the donkey starts running faster. He thinks, oh my gosh, now I'm really in trouble. And he's getting closer to that cliff and closer to that cliff. And then what happens? Amen. And that donkey stops dead on a dime, just like he's supposed to. The man says, because he was from here to Glen before he went off that cliff. He says, hallelujah. <laughs> and I tell you that because words are important. And that's really what Jonathan is trying to tell us this morning, that words are very important. And we have to listen to the instruction of the gospel, of the word of Jesus Christ. We can't take them and use them as we want or turn them around or forget them. Because there's going to be times that we're going to need a hallelujah. So Jonathan started me off with meditate. And what do you think of when you think of the word meditate? Kind of like, hmm, you're in that little stance and you're kind of humming. But meditate, no one has ever been unchanged if they meditate in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You'll be a different person. It's like tasting God in a spiritual way that you can't with all the noise and all the action and all the activity. Meditation. I'm not good at meditation. You've got to focus for a long time. You have to sit still for a long time. So I do little meditations. And you may have to do it the same way, a little bit at a time. But what's good about meditation, it's like looking in a mirror and you're looking for God. And you want to see Him in there, so you're listening. But what He's showing you is yourself, your own reflection. He's saying, Debbie, this is who you are and this is what you need to work on. These are your flaws. Don't look for mine. I don't have any. Look for my promises. But let me show you what you need to work on. And you're going to see Him and you during meditation time. And as you fix your mind on Him, the Word of God will change your heart and your spirit. Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you, that's you, you, me, will be prosperous and successful. Who wants to be prosperous and successful? So, meditation. Listening to God and actually being willing to hear our flaws so that we can change our relationship with Him. So, believing in God and knowing God are two different things. you agree with me? We can pray and we can come to church and being, we'll even go as far as allowing Jesus to be the one that forgives our sins. But then you still have to go a little bit further to get that relationship with Him 
And it's a living relationship. You can't think of a relationship with God that's way up in the heavens because it's a relationship with God that's right here today sitting among us. He's alive. And the closer you get, the more alive that book will come to you. The more alive His words will come to you. They'll jump off the page just when you need them like Christine shared. They will be the living word. Living word. It's an ongoing story. It hasn't ended. Not yet. Revelation 3.20 says, See, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens it, the door I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And I'm an anyone, because if I hear the door, then I should open it. And I hope that all of you this morning know that you're an anyone. And sometimes we pretend we don't hear him knocking, like if somebody comes over and you just pretend you're not home and don't act like you've never done that, because all of you have, and you don't answer the door, God's the same way. He's going to knock, and he's going to knock, and he's going to knock, but we can turn our hearts off to that knock. Let's see, Jonathan says memorize here, and it's not my strong point. How, who's good at memorizing scripture? Anybody? Oh, Jonathan, I think it's just you. Oh, thank goodness you're the preacher, huh? Yeah. Oh, Christine's good. Yes, she is. I can't really memorize a lot of scripture, but I can remember at least the book it's in. I can remember the verse or the chapter, or I can remember which friend to go to when I'm in that need. Memorize some part of the living word that you're going to get a direction or know who to call when you need it. Um, you know, they had 613 laws in the Old Testament. Could you memorize all those? No. No. But I bet they were written down. Somebody had them written down. And then, you know, the Pharisees, they, and I'm kind of going in between action and truth. So you're going to have to stay with what I'm talking about. I had to mix them up a little bit. But 613 laws and 39 that the Pharisees came up with that would help them on the Sabbath day. And talking about the character of God, you know, He heals the woman on the Sabbath. How many of you came today looking for healing? I did. How many of you came to church today? How many of you came to see Jesus today? See, there's a big difference. I come to church expecting to meet Him and for something to happen because He promises that. So you, you're going to meet who you expect to be there, right? If you just simply believe in a God that is so far away and going to church and praying is a relationship, then you're going to suffer. Ladies, how many of you are married? How many of you love your husband? Oh, they're good. That's all they all did. How many of you like him every day? No. Husbands, how many of you like your wife every day? You do? Talk to my husband. How many of you like your children every day? Every day? Ooh, you got to meet my children. It is easy to say we love someone until we have to put forth that effort. A relationship, and you know, action here is one of these big words, is that you got to dig deeper. And if you're digging, it's in action, right? you got to dig. So you're going to have to put something forward in order to become in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, we know first is knowing Him and accepting Him. But you went on a date with somebody or you you became friends with somebody. 
I know that Amy loves Gilligan's Island. Any other Gilligan's Island fans? Look, Amy, you can have a reunion group. <laughs> but I didn't know that the first time I met Amy. It took me a while. I, I think it was actually when she was sick one time and had surgery, and I, she told me, I'm just going to watch Gilligan's Island. And I thought, okay. <laughs> we learn things about each other the more we know each other. The longer we form that relationship. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. He'll show you new characteristics about Him every time you desire to draw near to Him. I want to share a scripture with you about the characteristics of Jesus and some of the promises that are going to kind of entwine here. It says, God created you, as it says in... Give me one minute. My eyes are focusing. Okay, Psalms 139. For it was you, it was you who formed my inner parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think that's worth a hallelujah. One, two, oh no. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Do you feel fearfully and do you feel wonderfully today? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that makes me a little proud. Now here's one of my little meditations. And, I, and I'm going to share it with you ladies. And men, if you're brave enough, I encourage you. But every morning when I get up and I, I, go, I look at the mirror the first time, this is what I do. Who loves this face right here? Jesus does. This face right here. That's my meditation. It reminds me who I am and who loves me. Now, men, if you can do that every morning, I'm very proud of you. Ladies, I encourage you to join me to do that. Who loves this face? Remind yourself every morning. He fearfully and wonderfully made you. And I think that's wonderful. Now, if I asked you to name a characteristic of God, what would you tell me? Jesus. Anybody? Love. Anybody else? Courage. Courage. Mm -hmm. Strength. Strength. Almighty. 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 When you we talk about people and their characteristics a lot, don't we? Isn't that called gossip a little bit sometimes? Maybe when it's it's not the best what we think of them. Um, I can tell you that characteristics of God, the character of God. There's nothing bad that you'll find in there. I can tell you that. Gene Burgess is an honest man. That's his character. I can tell you that Diane and Ginger, they know Jesus Christ and they transformed my life through Him. The character of God. Psalms 103, this is this psalms it all up. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and, from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things that so your youth is renewed like the eagles. God is invested in your well-being and working towards your renewal, your wholeness, and healing daily. In addition to that, God has big dreams and hopes for each one of us. And that happens with a relationship through Jesus Christ. Now, I hope I hit everything you wanted me to, Jonathan. And I thank you for allowing me to share this morning. There you go, Jonathan. Thank you, Don't be drinking my drink, Jonathan. That's an action. 
Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Christine. Um, so if you've been following along on the bookmark, you now know that action is red. It means Red means spurs you on. Pink is because it's a more common highlighter color. And if you don't want to use pink, I use gray. There's a gray highlighter out there that looks really awesome in the Bible. Those are for the solid things that are black and white. Uh, gray is it's a combination of black and white. Uh, those are unchanging things. It's the truth. And etc., those are things that don't fit any of the other categories. Like uh, if you if you don't have a reference Bible or a concordance, this will really help you. Because reference Bible, like if you're reading something in the Old Testament that the New Testament quotes, or vice versa, then the reference Bible will tell you where that's at, so you can find it right away. If you don't have a reference Bible and you locate one of those uh, verses as you're reading, then you can highlight that and make those connections. Customs means Jewish customs. Things that they did that we don't do, like feasts, Sabbaths, festivals, um, sacrifices, those type of things. Those are their customs, okay? And locations, of course, where something happened that you want to learn about. Alright, the last one I threw in because I'm a minister is sermons. If you go to church and you hear a sermon you like or you're listening to a sermon, I encourage you to highlight the verses that connected so you can see how the thought pattern developed. And when you highlight the first verse that they start with and you go to the next verse, you need to put a tag and say the next verse in this sermon or something like that is on is this verse. So you can follow back through the course of those so you know why you highlighted them. If it really meant something to you, you're going to want to remember that, right? Alright, that's simply for that. Um, at the bottom it has other things. And the exclamation in the margin, I put that as an evangelism verse. If you don't highlight your Bible in yellow, you need to know how to track through if you're trying to show someone faith and how to come to Christ, right? So you can track through that. And what you need to do is have a verse you know in your mind where you start in your Bible that has an evangelism verse so you can start there. You need to know what that verse is. Put a question mark in the margin if you don't want to highlight it and use it as a dig deeper. You put a question mark there and then later you can highlight it for the color you want. You underline keywords and phrases. A lot of people underline the whole thing and they don't even remember why they underlined it. But if you got keywords and phrases that spoke to you, then you'll know those verses and phrases and why they're there. Some folks put an X outside of a verse or quote marks around a verse so they know what verses they're referring to. Especially a longer passage. I put a little asterisk in the margin if this thing's really important or it's an insight that I don't want to forget. And that... When I have this bookmark in my Bible now, and I'm highlighting and annotating it, I know what stuff means. I don't have to go back and go, why did I do that? I got it with me in the bookmark. And so you can do that too. And the last thing at the bottom is what's called an M number. That's what Jonathan Edwards used. If you have a miscellaneous note or a note that you want to know about and there's not enough room in your notebook, put M number, whatever it is. If it's number one, put M number one and then on that page, write that note down plus the verse reference. And in your Bible, and next to that verse, put M number 1. Just those three characters. The M, the hashtag 1. And that will tell you there's a note about that verse that's important to you in your notebook. And that will work also with the R, the E, the L, the A, T, E, and S. If you want to put those in your notebook as well, you can put a R1, E1, etc., and the second one, of course, will be R2. Things like that. So, 
That's how you can mark your Bible in a way that makes sense. If this doesn't work for you, find another one. But I found that this has worked really well for me. I've been practicing with this for the last few weeks, and it's working. So, if you're really hungry for Word of God, this will help you. And the reminder verse at the top, Jeremiah 29.13, You will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. We know that if we keep God's commandments, we know God. That's what John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says. Here's how we know God, that we keep His commandments. If we don't know Him, how can we keep Him? And if we don't keep Him, we're saying we don't know God. But you can know that you know God because you desire to learn His Word. Alright? I hope this is helpful for you. We're getting ready to move into communion. But I have four verses out of John chapter 5 to read to you before we do. This is John chapter 5. These are verses that will challenge you, I believe, and encourage you this morning. Beginning at verse 37. And Jesus is speaking. He says, The Father Himself who sent Me has testified of Me. You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His form. But you do not have His Word abiding in you because Him whom you sent, Him you do not believe. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of Me. The Bible testifies of Jesus. But you are not willing to come to Me that you may have life. In other words, you're not willing to come to the Word, to the Scripture, to get that life. Every time you read the Bible, say, Jesus, show me more of you. Help me. Learn you. You have a bookmark now that you can take from Bible to Bible and use it and get the Word of God in your heart. This is what God put on my heart for us today. And I hope it's helped you. Now pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word and Your power and Your strength and Your mercy and Your grace. I ask that You would plant a deep hunger in our hearts for more of Your Word and more of You. And as You do so, Heavenly Father, fill us with Your Holy Spirit and with Your presence. 